Welcome to the brand new Unstoppable podcast with your host, Johnny Pierce. In this podcast, we're going to cover all you need to develop unstoppable confidence, build an unbreakable mindset, and we're going to make sure that everything that you listen to is unforgettable. We'll dissect the lessons from the people that you want to hear from, and you have access to this completely free of charge. If you like it, don't forget to share it with your friends, and I'll see you on the inside. with the Unstoppable Podcast, episode number five, and we're here with the legend that is Niall McGinn. Niall, appreciate you being here. No problem, thank you for having me. Niall's a humble man and probably wouldn't introduce himself as well as I can do, so Niall is international footballer. He's played 72 times for Northern Ireland. He's scored some incredibly important goals, one being, and I was in the crowd, it was against Ukraine in the European Championships in 2016, and also he scored against Ronaldo and co in 2012, is that the first goal? That was my first goal, yeah. Yeah, good good time to score. No, it was brilliant. Uh, I think when you become an international footballer straight away, you're you're just happy to, to be an international player. First and foremost, you want to be a professional footballer. It's what dreams you're made of. But I remember initially before that squad was announced, I wasn't in the previous squad. And I was actually doing well at Aberdeen, mm-hmm. uh, just enjoying my football, scoring a few goals, and Michael called me into the squad. So I knew straight away that we were on a training camp for, for a week or so. And I knew straight away, just go in, work work hard, keep my head down and just see what happens. And thankfully I just came in and, and done really well in training and I must have impressed Michael and Michael sort of knew the attributes I had. I was quick at the time and not that I'm not so quick now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've definitely lost a bit of pace over the years. But now he sort of knew what I brought to the team and he knew on the night it was, it was just a big night for Ronaldo. Yeah. Ronaldo's 100th cap. The whole ceremony was all around him in Porto in front of 50,000 people and there's a, a young lad from, from Danakmore at the time, sort of... Running the party. Running the party and, and coming up with my first international goal. And that was a special moment for me, for everyone, family and all, and I was just buzzing. Yeah, and it's a serious experience. And would you say your confidence grows off the back of something like that? Like that one event that happened, do you feel like you walk away from it feeling more confident? Yeah, definitely. I think even initially, straight away, like it's it's always one of those ones you, you're playing against the best players in the world and you're, you're watching these players for years and the World Cups and the Euros and different things and you get the stage where when you're on that stage and you're actually scoring goals, you're performing, you actually sort of feel part of it and you feel like you're good enough to be there and that's how it's been for, for Northern Ireland, I'd say over the last maybe seven, eight years, even me as a player. You, you feel you belong there, which is good, and more importantly, you, you feel you're, you're mixing with the best. Yeah, and the likes of that game, obviously, before playing against Ronaldo and all those different things, like, how did you feel, like, as a, an up-and-coming player? Did you think you would get onto the pitch in that day, or, or how were you feeling before the game? <sighs> Definitely nervous. Well, once Michael knew, he told me I was playing, it straight away nerves straight away, but even I took my experiences before of, of finding out for the first time oh, I'm going to make my Celtic debut yeah. and like I was going in front of, playing in front of maybe 100 people at Dungan Swift to, to make my debut in front of 60,000 people at, at Celtic Park and straight away you have to use previous experiences to, to sort of help you straight away and I was lucky enough with, with the players and stuff in the squad they're, they're always good to me it's just saying like even Paddy McCord was always the type of player who would say to me just, just, just get your first touch right uh, get into the game ease yourself into the game don't try and do something you're not used to doing and uh, that was always a, a great bit of advice I got off, off somebody like Paddy because Paddy helped me settle in at Derry City and then when it came to Celtic it was, it was the exact same thing so 
just wee th simple things like that go a long way and, and obviously getting involved in games and, and just having that confidence of going out and doing yeah. well. And I suppose it is just getting your first touch right and, and it kind of all snowballs from there and you actually feel a little bit more confident once you get the first pass or the first first touch done, you know? Definitely not. Not, not asking this from, from training, having a good training week, as I said, leading up to that Portugal game and then once you score that goal, you just feel on top of the world and confidence just asking this from there and then you can just use that come back into club football and obviously just prolonging your international career as long as you can. How were the celebrations after that? Was there many? Uh, I can't remember too much about it. I was just, just over the moon. It's obviously straight away. Initially, it's just speaking to friends, family, and just you've just scored for, for Northern Ireland. You've scored your first international goal. And looking back, as I said earlier, to be a professional footballer was unbelievable. But to go on and ha be an international footballer and play on that stage is, was just pretty surreal. Yeah, massively. And I suppose going back, throwing it back to when you first got into football, you know, what was childhood like for you? Did you play a lot of football? Was there anyone that really inspired you to kind of push on? No, childhood football was, was great. I was just a, like any young lad, just growing up in, in a local community. It was very GA oriented, but I remember when I was six or seven, I just played Gaelic football all the time, right up through all the ages. I was, I was a good Gaelic footballer. I was talented. I played, went on to play for Throne Miners and Throne Under 21s, and I was involved in the, in the senior setup. Uh, but me just sort of liking sports. My brother was always in the soccer as well. So me and him, we used to have actually, it must have been about four or five housing states in my local village where I'm from. So we used to have always competitions against like other housing states and yeah. we were always the best team. Like my, my wee village was called, or my wee housing state was called Lismore. So we always called ourselves the Lismore Destroyers. Yeah, yeah. So we'd always a good team. My brother was talented as well. So uh, I would always just play soccer all the time. I, well, I was out two touch against the wall or, or different t things. and. Initially, how I got into the, the, the soccer was I went to Dungan United Youth Fun Weeks and uh, straight away I went in there and it was just like a two-week training camp in the middle of summer, which I was going there and just, just enjoying football and I must have stood out straight away because the likes of Dixie Robinson, Joe McAree and Rodney were, were straight on to me straight away wanting me to, to come and join the youth at under 10s, 11s and I, I started out doing that and then obviously it just escalated and I was like any young boy, as I said earlier, like five nights a week I was training, whether it was Gaelic soccer, I was playing soccer on Saturday and, and, and a Gaelic match on a Sunday. And to think back then to what I did, to think I would, could do that now, there's probably no chance with how football's changed. And, and I even remember one day I was, I was playing a, a soccer match at, at Linfield at three o'clock and I had a car waiting on me at half past five to take me up to Aidan Dark outside Dungannon to, to play Gaelic, Gaelic match, which was oh, crazy. Man. So to think that back then, the, yeah. the, could you do it now? There's probably no chance, but uh, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change it for yeah. anything. Hundred percent. And it's interesting to kind of hear how, from humble beginnings, you then come on to this international stage, and it's kind of. I suppose no one wakes up and thinks they're going to be a footballer. But was there ever a point where you kind of started to think, right, this might actually work out for me, or maybe I could make a career out of this? Yeah, uh, I think uh, initially when. I had that major decision to make. I was playing obviously soccer and Gaelic at the time and I was really enjoying both and I remember Stephen Kenny was there watching me at Dungan Swiss one night but I didn't know it at the time and I remember my phone got picked up the next day and Stephen Kenny, I'd heard in the news he just came back from Scotland, he just became the Derry City manager and then out of the blue he's phoned me and he's like... What age were you at this point? I must have been about, I'd say 17, no yeah. maybe 17, 18 maybe at the time, just just... I'd only played six months in the Irish League and it, it definitely stood me a good stead to go on and obviously be a professional footballer and obviously the Gaelic helped me massively as well because Gaelic was always tough training. Yeah. But no, I remember when I, when I got the call straight away I was surprised and shocked and I knew things were going to become a wee bit more real. I, I was doing my studies at the time, I was studying a, a sport and leisure management course in, in Belfast and 
it was like halfway through my second year it's when sort of had to make a decision because Mickey Hart the throne manager at the time was phoning me because not only did he, he did he want me to be sort of playing in Pacific Games he wanted me to be part of a squad for for the whole of the National League Championship everything and I remember it was just before the opening of the lights at Crook Park and he had said to me look give a chance to play here in front of 80,000 people so I'm thinking like, this would be unbelievable yeah, yeah, yeah. to play in front of 80,000 people but I knew at the time look of a chance to become a professional football here at Derry City they're, they're going to offer me a three year contract at the time and I had to just knock all my studies in the head and things were just sort of becoming a wee bit more real so I knocked my studies in the head and just went for went for that opportunity and thankfully I haven't looked back since Yeah, and with the studies like would you? What would you have done if the football didn't work out? Like, was there a thought in your head, right? I'll go into that. Or yeah, I remember my my PE teacher at the time, uh, Brian McCulkin. Uh, he was uh, he was probably in, being a PE teacher for probably a, a few years, and I think from working with him, and he was big in this Gaelic, and he knew it was very sporty and stuff. And it was something probably I would have liked to do because uh, he, he he said he, he sort of sort of done the. The course and the thing, the way I was going to go and do it, he'd done like a two-year course at Biffy and then he was going to go to, or I was going to go to uh, Preston and do my top up here and that's yeah. sort of the road he went and which would have got me the degree. So I was going to go down that line but in the same time just play play Gaelic and play soccer and keep enjoying it for as much as I possibly could. And now nah, thankfully uh, from knocking my studies in the head I, I became a pro. You paid off, eh? Yeah, I can't yeah. complain. Here I am at, at 35, still going strong. It's a prime example of, I suppose, someone taking a risk because, it, you know, you could have argued that was a risk at that point, right? I'm actually giving up this potential university degree to actually go and pursue this football thing. But then I suppose at that point you needed to make it work to to ensure that you had a career at that point. No, 100%. And I've always said this to, like, to myself and, and people and... It's extremely hard to become a professional footballer. I think it's 0.001% to become a professional footballer. But when you actually become a professional footballer, I think it's, although it's hard to become one, it's, I think it's harder to maintain, like to yeah. be a professional footballer for, for, for a long time. And here I'm into my maybe 15, 16 professional year of, of being a, a professional footballer. And as I spoke about numerous times off air or whatever, it's you get knockbacks throughout your career. and. I had a lot, a lot of knockbacks even at a young age. I remember when I was maybe 13, 14. It wasn't really common for me like going on trials and, and yeah. things like that. I think I maybe became a better player as I got older and more experienced and had obviously a wee bit of luck along the way and more opportunities arose. But I went to Crewe when I was maybe 14, 15 and I remember playing in the game and I'd done really well, scored a couple of goals. I went over with another lad, Michael O'Connor at the time and he actually ended up signing and I thought, I've done well in this. I've scored mm -hmm. a few goals in the game. Yeah. I thought I'm gonna maybe get an opportunity right. to sign here. And long story short, I didn't sign, and uh, I was just a knockback straight away. They said I was maybe too small at the time and different things. And one big knockback in my career was when I was at Dungan Swifts, and I was really doing well. And they got to the the cup final. I was actually left out of the squad, so I was a big hit straight away. So my main sort of point of of me saying these things was, was having them knock, knockbacks don't let them annoy you going forward use them as motivation to go on and obviously prove people wrong mm -hmm. and with those challenges and those setbacks like was there anyone that you would have turned to and say picked up the phone here would you give me a bit of advice on this or what would you do in this situation or i was lucky i'd always sort of good people around me like a uh, good family like uh, my mum drove me all over the country going to Obviously, the Milk Cup days and going to Dungan Swiss training, Dungan Youth training, she, she drove me everywhere. But I'd always sort of good friends behind me, and I was always involved in a lot to maybe take my mind off things. It was, it was an easy going lad. I was when I was studying, I was like working in a car wash, I was working in an off license, a bar, just to sort of 
try and make as much money as I could to, to earn my way and, and, and being a student and obviously enjoying football. And as I said earlier, I had good people around me and they, 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 they definitely helped me and I had always good coaches. Dixie Robinson was brilliant for me. He was my manager at Dungan United Youth for three years, which we'd done really well. And, and people like that always sort of had confidence in me and knew if I just kept working hard that more opportunities would arise, for yeah, sure. Big time. And obviously you've had loads of highlights off the back of those challenges and you've overcome the, the challenges to get to the highlights. Is there any that really stand out as your maybe proudest moment in football to date? Uh, well, internationally-wise, it's, it's obviously scoring at the Euros. I think uh, when you grow up, you're watching the Euros, you're watching World Cups, and to have the opportunity, like I was just unbelievably excited just to be in that squad, travelling the Euros, because there's a lot of obviously boys let down and didn't make the squad. and. For me to, to be part of that squad going to yours, because I, I thought I had a, a big part to play in, in the qualifiers and, and doing well there. I scored an important goal away in Hungary, etc. And I thought I had an important part to play at the Euro. So initially going over, I, I was delighted. And the first game I didn't play, and I was obviously disappointed. But me, I've always been the type of boy just to keep working hard and keep, if I keep improving as a player, uh, showing, showing I'm good enough in training, I'll always get opportunities. And with Michael, I always felt that, and when he changed formation in the second game, he went to more of a 4-3-3, more so than the 3-5-2 he did in the first game. I knew it was going to be maybe an opportunity for me to, to come on here, so the, the moment I stepped out on the pitch to, to make my, my debut at a major fans was, was unbelievable, but I'd never thought in a million years of going to end up scoring, and the score at that moment and run over to where all the Northern Ireland fans were at that time was just, oh, it, was, it was crazy. Yeah, and, it, and it's crazy, like, to see that support and feel that support as well because I was in the crowd myself and I remember me and my dad went over and Were you sober? Yeah, no, <laughs> I was yeah and my dad I was young at the time and my dad paid way over the odds for this charter flight to get there and like you know that was a big challenge and a big stretch for us but we wanted to be there in that moment we ended up going to that game we had to fly home that night because that's the way our flights work and that was the only flight we could get but I suppose for you as a player like how does that feel that people will go above and beyond like they'll they'll spend all their wages on trying to follow you and the team? Now I've always uh, seen Northern Ireland fans are unbelievable and when I first came into squad, like I was travelling all over the country and we were always losing games but Northern Ireland fans were always showing up in their thousands and I think being at the Euros and giving the fans that special moment and them special moments just makes it all worthwhile for, for the money they've put in over the years to, to be able to go to a major tournament to support Northern Ireland and just be there and enjoy it. First time in 30 years Northern Ireland qualified for, for a major tournament and to sort of be there and share it with them was, was unbelievable. And Us as players, it's, it's difficult in the sense of we, we are there, we're in the moment, we enjoy the game, things happen, but straight away, like we're back to the hotel, recover and go again, and you're back and you're seeing on social media that obviously people watching it back home down the Titanic quarter and stuff, and people are, you're seeing all the videos and, and different things, you're that player who's just scored one, yeah. one like an important goal, because it actually helped us to, to qualify that bit more quicker with, with the goal difference, because yeah. we didn't get, didn't concede too many goals yeah. against Germany, so uh, now to help on that side of things, I, I was just over the moon, and just, just to be, delighted to be there and be a part of it and obviously I never thought in a million years I would have scored but to see obviously how how well the fans celebrated and seeing all the videos and the matches was well, no, it's pretty surreal. Yeah and and how did that actually feel like what were your emotions immediately after the ball hits the back of the net? Straight away and I remember I was, I was phoning family straight away and then had to do like those of different interviews I, I was never like I'm always used to doing interviews and doing press and stuff but being at the Euros, like after I've just scored, I'm walking out and I'm doing press from different countries and stuff, yeah. and something you're not really used to. But 
Now it was 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 unbelievable. I was just over the moon, and all the players were, were brilliant with me. And you could even see Michael celebration when the goal went in. The players running onto yeah. the pitch and stuff. And now it was a now it was a proud moment. But I said this on numerous occasions as well. Yes, it was unbelievable, and I really enjoyed it. But I don't think it's ever sunk in. I don't think it'll ever sink in until maybe 10, 15 years down the line when I'm when I'm maybe going to events where I'm speaking about it yeah. or like getting to look back on it and like look back with the players and, and the fans who were, who were there at that moment. And even now, every year around that time, more and more videos are coming through of, of people being there and enjoying their moments. And now it's, it's brilliant to be yeah. part of it. And I suppose you touched upon social media a little bit there and how you were on social media after scoring that goal. Whenever you're playing football, do you try and stay off social media? Because I suppose there might be criticism there at times when being a footballer and things like that. Or would you, would you still be on there but try and just consume certain types of things or, or how no, is I've that? always been involved with, but I've always been the type of person a happy happy medium type guy never get too high never get too low because I've had a lot of downs in my career and I've, I've obviously had a lot of highs in my career but I've always been the type of player to just keep my head down keep working hard and hopefully the, the good times will weigh out the, the bad times and that's that's been the case over all the years whether it's been international football club football where I've went on had a healthy sort of long career and I've always used that as ammunition for Football is crazy. Like there, you look last week, Liverpool beating Man United seven mm. 0 and then they go and Bournemouth beat them one 0 and stuff. So you look at uh, me being being in those different moments is you really appreciate it at the time. And uh, now when, when bad times come, you sort of you work through it because you know around the corner something something will change and you'll end up uh, doing well again. And a couple of different examples. Uh, under Ian there when he was manager he, he, he was leaving me out of the squad and, and, and then on the last moment he ended up bringing me in the squad so I went from being not in the squad to, to being in the squad and then the next game we played we actually played against USA and I ended up scoring so you're going from not being in the squad to actually scoring against USA and then I remember I had conversations with Ian when I came into the squad as well recently about when we were about to play Bosnia away from home in the semi-final of the playoff and had a good conversation with him and said to him, being open and honest, I said, look, I've been here, I've done it, I've been in these situations. I think of, with having that conversation with him at the time, it actually helped me maybe play in that game. So I ended up playing against Bosnia and scoring. So different moments like that throughout your career where you have to sort of back yourself and sort of take the, the negatives and sort of use them as, as fuel to, to go and prove people wrong. Yeah, 100% love that. And see, I suppose, that, that crowd at the Euros, have you ever played in front of a bigger crowd than that or was that the biggest? I'd say no, I've played, like, if I'm being honest, like, I've played for Celtic, one of the biggest clubs in the world, played at Ibrox and like, you're playing in front of 60,000 people but uh, playing in, in Lyon was, was unbelievable. I've been quite fortunate over the years, I've played in a big European games in, in Hamburg for, for, for Celtic, uh, played against the uh, different teams in Europe as well and Celtic Park and European Knights were always special as well but now the, the Leon one was, was unbelievable uh, but don't get me wrong the, the Knights of Celtic Park were, were incredible and I even remember making my, my debut it was uh, I got to make my actual debut for, for Celtic at Wembley which was pretty, oh, surreal, right, pretty right. surreal because I got a Celtic were playing used to play in a Wembley Cup tournament like yeah Every, every sort of pre-season, I got a phone call on the Friday night. Celtic had just uh, played a game on the Friday night, another game on the Saturday, Saturday against Tottenham Hotspur. And I got a phone call on the Friday night to say, look, you're coming down. 
you have a chance of playing here. So I flew down and I had a good pre-season under my belt. I flew down and ended up coming on to sub against Tottenham Hotspur. So that was at my actual debut for Celtic, yeah. which was pretty surreal. And then my second game, like a week later, was at the Hattie Hat against Manchester City. But my actual competitive debut was against Dundee United uh, at Celtic Park. And that all escalated from me being away to international football. Aidan McGeady at the time was was injured. Uh, and then I got the phone call, and I think it was a Wednesday or Thursday, say, look, you're going to be making your competitive debut here on Saturday, so straight away your nerves. You've chance to make your debut in front of sixty thousand people here, which, which is going to be incredible. So straight away on the phone, the family, friends, everyone, and then I end up making my, my debut on the Saturday uh, against uh, Dundee United in front of sixty thousand people. So it was a wee bit of a surreal time even back then. Like I went, as I said earlier, I went from playing in front of maybe a hundred people at Dungannon to, to making my debut in front of my competitive debut in front of sixty thousand people. It was a wee bit surreal. But regarding the Northern Ireland at, at Leon, uh, the atmosphere and to be in that moment and score, uh, on on yeah, the class. And I suppose you've played with and against numerous top quality players, world class players. Could you name one or two that would be the best you've played against and played with? Probably the best to play against is, is an obvious one is Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, the way game which I scored him, he was obviously he done well on the night. It was his big night, but for me to score that night was was unbelievable. But the Windsor Park game was just I've never seen anything like it. Just sort of being on the pitch, uh, we were actually two one up in the game, doing he really well. Scored a hat trick, didn't he? Doing, doing really well, aye. So uh, I remember he done the nice sweet nutmeg and and on Davo. So he did. Uh, but we, I think we got Chris Brown sent off and Big Lass came on. I think he ended up getting sent off at the time. But uh, I remember like we were winning 2-1. We're quite comfortable in the game. Everything's going well. And then last half an hour, Ronaldo just steps up and scores a hat-trick. And you're thinking, that's why he's one of the best players yeah. in the world. So I've been lucky enough on the international stage getting to play against like Pierlo's, like Tony Cruz's at the Germany. Just sort of players like that that they actually really appreciate how good footballers are. Yes, you play against like Erling Haaland and players like that. And... Just players who, who, who you watch on TV all the time, but to see them live and see them in action and see sort of how fit and strong they are, Van Dijk's at, at the, in Holland, just sort of players they got. It's, it's crazy that you have, actually do get the opportunity to play against these players. Yeah, 100%. And there's a few big names there, to say the least. But uh, tell us a bit about advice you would have for like a young and up-and-coming footballer who wants to make it as a professional. Initially, just just enjoy it first and foremost. See if you're young, it's it's not the end of the world if, if things aren't going well. Especially when you're young, you've you're going to get so many opportunities. You're going to have so many positives, so many negatives. Uh, always listen. Always want to improve. Just knuckle down, work hard, and just go and try and achieve your dream. And if football's meant to be, it'll be. If it's not, then go and pursue your your career elsewhere. And that's I think that's very important. But I I was always in the mindset that being a student, I wanted to be a PE teacher, but. If the opportunity arose to be a, become a professional footballer, then so be it. And thankfully, the opportunity arose for me. And it's not the opportunity is not going to come come to everyone, but it is important that you if you, you work hard, uh, grab each and every opportunity when it comes along, and yeah, just keep enjoying it. And the main one was when you do have setbacks, to, to obviously don't let that affect you, and just use that as motivation for fuel for fire to, to go on and do well, prove yourself first and foremost you're a good player, and obviously prove others wrong. Yeah, big time. And obviously, as a footballer, it's important to have a physical talent. But how important is the mental side of the game? You know, when you get a setback or you're preparing for a game, like, was there ever one piece of advice that you were given that you really applied inside every game or before every game? I think I've just learned, if I'm being honest, I think I've just learned how to deal with everything myself over the years. Yes, you get advice along the way, but I've always been... 
as I said, said numerous occasions, just sort of take the good with the bad. Uh, learn from your mistakes, always want to be better. Uh, when things are going well, try and keep them going well for as long as they can, because a few weeks down the line, you you end up on a bad result and you're, you're feeling low. And I've always found when I've been at clubs and stuff, even when you lose a game, you, you feel like the world's against you and you're going home and you're disappointed and you're, you're sad and it's not great, you're home and you, you don't want to go out, you don't want to leave the house, you don't want to go out in your local town, especially when, even when I was at Aberdeen, it was, it was a one-team city after a home game if you could beat you. You didn't want to leave the yeah. house and stuff like that. But as I got older, I got more used to the sense of like, it's your job, look, things don't go well, just, just get on with your life as, as much as you, you, you normally can and don't let people sort of bring you down, whether it's through social media or whether it's being out and about in the town and you're bumping into fans and stuff, but I've always been the, the person who I've, I've actually went and confronted people and just spoke normally and then straight away, like, people people get shocked because they think they can maybe say this or say that and then straight away you're, you're talking to them and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, this boy's actually everything's fine, he's just a normal person, he's, he's just yeah. out. Things didn't go well that day, but he's just getting on with his life. He wants to come out and socialise with fans, or he wants to socialise with people, and 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 just get on with things outside of things. So I've always been the type of player to to face criticism uh, head on and use that as maybe fuel for fires. I said numerous times now, just to, to go on and prove people wrong. Yeah, love that, love that. And what would you say on that point? Like you said about like meeting people in the street and then maybe having a misconception about what you would be like in person. What would you say a common misconception? people like me might have about what it's like to be a professional footballer or what professional footballers are like? I think even just in, I think media is a big thing and, and, and things, I think people try and bring people down quickly, they try and be negative too quickly even when, when managers get jobs or when players come to, to certain clubs. People have come up to me a lot, like you've played with Scott Brown and Saddle, like you've played with Madrid, or at Aberdeen, you've played with Kyle Lafferty at that thing, they say oh, he must be this, he must be that and I was like, they're completely different type yeah, of characters yeah. as they are on the pitch or yeah. or what you perceive maybe from the media looking looking from the outside looking in and like Scott Brown for example he, he's just a born winner and on the pitch he's just a different animal he just he just wants to win 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 all the time and that's that's shown out throughout his career the, the trophies and the success he has now he's in management and he's going to obviously use that to go on and hopefully have a, have a successful managerial career and people have asked me about him all the time but it's funny because I'm, I'm going from being as his teammate at Celtic to be in his teammate at Aberdeen and then any time I came up against them like straight away when you're out before the the start of the game you're shaking their hands and stuff but they're shaking your hands if like he doesn't know you if you know what I mean yeah. but then after the game he's having a look and uh, joking a laugh and stuff and just wee simple things like that it's just examples of what goes on in football etc and uh, nah they're, Scott Brown's definitely an example of a born winner and who's maybe perceived differently uh, to actually what he is and he's he's obviously a really nice guy and he has laughing jokes at the right time but at the end of the day he was a, he was a born winner and that's why he had an, an unbelievable career. Yeah, big time and that's the thing, people don't actually know the reality, they'll they'll see what they read on social media or or watch videos and they'll not actually know the person as to who they are today, like yeah. you know, I used to follow Nal as a as a fan and now I know him as a, as a person and I know right well he's actually a nice guy he's actually a normal guy he's he's just the same as as, as I am only he's become a professional footballer and it's just a slightly different industry so yeah I suppose now if you don't mind me saying as an experienced player um, is there anything that you would do differently now that you would have done as a young player? Uh, big thing that stands out for me is recovery uh, I'm a big believer in like every little helps, whether it's 
an ice bath or whether it's getting to the pool or whether it's stretching. Just I'm a big believer in if every percentage of something can help. Like you hear different things about ah oh, an ice bath's good for this or the sauna or the steam room or the pool is all good for this. I'm a big believer in just do everything. Yeah. If I can maximise my recovery as much as I can, that'll that'll definitely help me. And that's what I've done over the years. I've always sort of looked after myself, whether it's been big into recovery or or obviously just staying away from obviously niggly injuries and different things that's sort of maybe helped me have a, a long longevity in, in in the game and and that, that probably that's the main one that's maybe helped me recover I think yeah, yeah big time. probably the main one and I suppose like on that point we spoke about you as a young player and 17, 18 breaking through in the Irish League if you were to go back knowing what you know now and give that guy at 18 years of age one piece of advice what would that be? Take all obstacles on as they come uh, Enjoy it. Enjoy like being being a player and enjoying enjoy what you do. Uh, I love being 16, 17, 18 because I was just going out with freedom. I had no real. I wasn't affected by social media. I wasn't yeah. affected by the media, the press, anything. I was just going out and enjoying everything and taking everything as it comes. And that probably really stopped me in good stead because I, I didn't go over when I was like 14, 15, 16. A lot of players go over now at 14. 15 and they're home again being very yeah. homesick or, or things don't work out so I was relatively a wee bit more older a wee bit more experienced and I experienced different things whether it was setbacks I experienced part-time football I experienced Gaelic football I experienced full-time football so I was quite lucky in the sense I experienced all that to stand me in good stead to go across to, to go on and have a, a relatively successful career of being a professional footballer for, for 15, 16, 17 years so regarding me giving advice to somebody at my age back then it was more or less do what I did do because I was lucky in the sense of, of how things worked out but regarding sort of young, somebody younger maybe 14, 15 if they get a setback at 16, 17 just go back keep working hard and hopefully opportunity comes again because more often than not it will because if you're good enough it uh, more often than not it relatively sh shines through to, to, to go on and have an opportunity of becoming a professional yeah. footballer big time and obviously a lot of people watching this will be into their fitness they'll be kind of progressing with their fitness and all those different things have you any advice as to what you would say to someone who's maybe trying to embark on a fitness journey or they're struggling with their fitness journey right now? Uh, just try and try and know your body. Like nobody knows your body like yourself. Try and know what you're good at. Try and know what you need to improve on. And sort of don't always work on the one thing. Always try and improve on, on various aspects, whether it's legs, upper body strength, core work, always try to be open-minded to everything. You'll, you'll have your discussions with your, your sports scientists, guys, managers, coaches, and you'll know yourself as a player what you, what you need to prove on. First and foremost, like tackling football-wise and stuff, you'll, you'll always know that automatically, but regarding being at the gym and, and, and that, don't overdo things. Uh, do, do, do things at the right time. For example, I'm big on when I do like leg work or stuff, and I'm big on doing leg stuff, maybe at the beginning of the week when I have a day off or something, so it can help recover. But regarding like core work, upper body stuff, I'm big on that when when I'm doing that probably maybe a couple of times a week. But regarding sort of, it depends on obviously schedule, etc. But you're probably more talking to off season to to pre season is when you're maybe maybe doing a lot more leg work than you will be during yeah. during the full season. Big time, hundred percent. And obviously, you've communicated incredibly well on this. You're used to interviews, things like that. Is there any lessons that you've learned on the pitch as to how you communicate to still now being applying those off the pitch, like in maybe interviews or anything that you've kind of or like are you guys taught how to be interviewed? I think nowadays, like more and more younger people are maybe getting media trained, but I was never media trained. I was just always, always in the sense of like 
I just learned on the job type thing. Yeah. Going to big clubs, like quite relatively, I was, I was being interviewed more and stuff, and I was, I was just sort of becoming used to it. And yeah, it, it did get easier over the years. And uh, but nowadays, it's it's just you just have to be so careful in what you say and how you bring across like certain words and press people can obviously turn a turn a story to what you're actually meaning, etc. And uh, now nah, just be careful what you say, but yeah, just practice as much as you can for, for especially for younger kids get get training and uh, yeah like I've just been lucky enough that I've just sort of learned myself and thankfully it's I think it's been okay anyway. yeah no big time and any big plans now obviously you're still playing now but in 10 years you might not be so any big plans after football I think uh, initially I want to I want to sort of get into coaching here as quickly as I can my initial thought straight away when I came back to back to here to play football was just get out enjoy my football again uh, I'm just play for as long as I can. As long as I'm still enjoying them, I'm going to play for as long as I can. So I've signed another year after this year, which which is pleasing for me. And I've done my B license, which is good. So I'm going to go on to my license this this uh, this May June time, and uh, I'll probably look to sort of start dipping into a bit of coaching here and there, and get into that and get a feel for it. I've always felt that I'm the type of character that would become a manager. I think I'm I'm more level headed for that, although. I've never experienced that, and my opinions and, and things could definitely change if, if that does ever happen. But I've always been in the mindset that I, c I think I could be a manager more so than being a coach. But I know initially I need to get into coaching and do coaching, get a feel for it to see if I enjoy it, to, to be gone and maybe become a manager one day. So that's my initial thoughts at the moment is play for as long as I can, as long as I'm enjoying it, and then obviously keep dipping into the coaching here now as much as I can. Love it. Last couple of questions are a bit of fun here. So I know that you do a bit of training yourself. What's your favourite gym exercise right now? Pull-ups. Pull-ups? <laughs> yeah. Big man. Do you want to do a few here now? If you want to. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, just, I've always been big into just pull-ups, just body weight. I've always done body weight stuff over the years. I, I, I don't, I've never thought about doing like real strenuous, like load a load of heavy weights because I'm not trying to be a yeah, like a rugby player or... Yeah. You're training maybe crossfit for your sport? I'm just training specific. It's just maintaining to be lean and being fit and being strong. And well, it's just body exercise. I've always been into that. And when I've had like maybe a long injury, I've always used that to, to work on everything that like the full body, if you know what I mean. But now nah, I like pull ups. Yeah, even, even though they don't get any easier. Yeah, they're tough. And somewhere that you haven't played, you've played in a lot of places, but you would still love to play at? Uh, Old Trafford. I grew up in a Man United fan. And, my dad and my brother were always Liverpool fans, so nah, I think somewhere like Old Trafford I'd love to play at, and uh, now nah, there's a load of premiership grounds like Anfield, so nah, never know, mate. Hopefully uh, playing one of these stadiums one yeah, day. Never know. And uh, you've got two options. You have to play football for five hours every single day for the rest of your life, or never play football again. Nah, play football for five hours for the yeah. rest of my life easily. Because I asked, I asked this question to a magician yesterday, and it was obviously doing magic for that amount of time, and he chose not doing magic at all. So that was, that was interesting. interesting. No, but two reasons. I love it, and getting older would keep you fit. So, yeah, so now as long as as I said, as long as I enjoyed it. But nah, uh, but if you ask me that in about twenty years' time, I'd say a different <laughs> answer. And you obviously enjoy your travels. You maybe haven't had loads of opportunity to do it playing football you maybe do more of it in the next few years but what's the favourite trip that you've ever been on favourite holiday best memory uh, I've, been, I've been lucky enough I've obviously got to travel the world but being a professional footballer like we've been to so many countries over the world but it's always been in staying in hotel train and leave again you yeah. never get to experience these cities but so my best mate James McCann he's from Maglis and 
uh, County Throne. He lives out in San Francisco, so I've been going to see him the last 11 years. And just America, I just like the lifestyle. You can just get up and go and go to other cities. You can jump into a car and just drive the coast, drive the highways, and uh, now go and see and do, do a lot of things. So now America and California has been one of my best so far. I've been to Hawaii, which I love, but I've always wanted to go on a safari like to South Africa or Kenya, so hopefully I can do something like that in the next few years. That'll be class. And final question, we end every single podcast with this question. For you right now, what does becoming unstoppable mean to you? Just making the most of uh, your talent as much as you, you possibly can and just keep working hard and uh, use the, the sort of negatives and the setbacks to, to keep going and proving people wrong. And yeah, just just be active and be be sporty for as long as you possibly can and yeah just don't stop love it sounds good thanks very much mate no problem appreciate it thanks for coming on thanks for listening appreciate it speak to you soon